Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. We are looking at when Jesus comes. What do we know is going to happen when Jesus comes? And even as I bring these up, I am not trying to tell you some chronological order of things today. I do not know how the chronology works in this. The Lord didn't give us a good chronology of when things have to be done. But we know that these are things that will be done when Jesus comes back. Jesus coming back, kids, is the great, um, I guess I could say, a great reset. It really will be. He's bringing it back the way it's supposed to be. He's bringing it back to what it was when he created all things. And it's going to be in its right way. He's going to bring it back in such a way. Matter of fact, we hopefully we'll get to read about some of those, whether this morning or not, we'll get to read about some of those in the coming kingdom. You are being fitted for that kingdom even now. You are being prepared. You're going through what's necessary to fight the spiritual battle that is going on. And believe me, it's going to get more intense. It's not been as intense as it's going to be. Just uh, know from the Word of God that it's going to get more intense. As it does, I want you to think of that. What we talked about last week, um, I know we didn't have services last week, couldn't be here. There were five people that were here, and I want to say thank you so much. I appreciate it. We had a good time. Five of us had a good time here uh, last week. Isn't that right, Eugene? We had a good time last week. Yeah, I mean, so uh, it, it is, it's always a joy when you get to meet with other brothers and sisters. Right, Kathy? It's always a kind of joy. And, of course, uh, Jeff was here, and I appreciate Jeff very much for his willingness to come and do that. Here's what we saw last week. These are things that we know have to happen when Jesus comes back. First of all, in our uh, uh, scriptures here in Revelation 19 uh, through uh, 1916, or 19, yeah, 1920 through uh, 20, chapter 6, we know that this is when Jesus arrives, the very first thing is going to be that the false prophet and the beast. This is two human beings who have been Satan, satanically empowered, satanically possessed. They are going to be cast live into the lake of fire. That's known as Gehenna. That lake of fire is the place that burns all the time. It is not a place of annihilation. It's a place of continuous torment and pain. And they're thrown alive into that. We know that the armies that had gathered with them, who had the mark of the beast, who worshiped the image, we know that they are also all destroyed. And it's by the Word of God. The Word of God that holds things all together today is going to speak and all things are going to come apart. So much so that the container that has all of that life of the flesh in the blood has all of that inside it is going to be released. And all of that is going to be on the ground. As you can see, kids, over the years, the conquests, the murders, the slaughters, the things that have gone on, the things that have been made to damage the whole earth are going to be corrected at that time. There's a whole lot of things. This, this earth is not pure to live on because of the bloodshed that's been on it, because of the way it's been treated, the way it's been done. So we know that Jesus has a plan for that, which we'll bring up in just a minute. 
We know that the dragon who caused all the rebellion in the first place is going to be taken to the abyss. He's going to be bound and sealed up in the abyss. That's Tartarus. That's the place that we had seen earlier in some of the book of Revelation where the locusts came out of and they had uh, uh, punished people for about five months. People wanted to die and couldn't. God had denied them death. They went through torment and pain. They came out of that abyss. Now the wicked one is going to be put back in that abyss, and he's kept there, it says, for a thousand years. We know also that there are going to be judgment thrones set up. Look at chapter 20, if you would, just for a moment. In verse 4, it says, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads and on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. All right? This, let's get this throne set up. One of the sure things that when Jesus returns is going to take place is a series of judgments. There are many, many things that God is going to judge because they have been going in wrong directions for years. God has been long-suffering. God has been patient. But God is going to judge now all the things that had gone wrong, all the things that had been done. That's everything. That's from angels all the way through human beings, every kind of human being there, there have been. All of that is going to be judged. And it is the judgment thrones that are set up that's going to be participating in the judgment that God gives. I want to make sure we understand this. God is the judge. But there are some sort of beings that are going to judge with him. That's why there are judgment thrones, not singular, judgment thrones set up. And that is going to be, I believe, the resurrected church. That's who's going to be judging all of that. The resurrected church is the one who's going to be judging the world, and judging angels. We'll we'll show you that in just a moment, all right? We also know that martyrs from the tribulation are going to be resurrected, and they're going to begin to rule with Christ for a thousand years. And these are the ones that you'd find in Revelation 7, so uh, verses 9 to 17. So you will find those there, all right? But we know also, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. So uh, if you don't have that written down, it's good to have it written down. 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13, that when Jesus returns, there is a massive fire that's going to take place too. That's a purification of the earth that is not fit to live on with new people. So he's going to be purifying all that. As he purifies it, he's also going to make a new heavens and a new earth, which we'll talk about at another time as well. So we know those are things that have to take place. We know that the beast and false prophet are cast alive into hell. We know that Satan is going to be bound up and put in the abyss for a thousand years. We know that the armies that had gathered together against the Lord are going to be destroyed. And I want you to understand this, not Everybody on earth is in that battle. That battle is only with the kings who have rebelled against God, those ten kings that have rebelled against them, the part of that whole beast army. That's who's going to be there at that particular battle. But there are people all over the world who have been either resisting the adversary or who have been working with him. All right. 
um, there's a judgment that's going to take place with those people as well, all right? So that's last week's message. Let's go to this week's message. And it is an abbreviated form today, so just stay with me, okay? The judgment of the nations. Take your Bibles, please. Turn on to Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. These are things that have to take place when Jesus returns, all right? Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. That is a judgment throne. That is the place where decisions are made. And remember, there are other thrones that have been set up at that same time. So here we go. Verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats." Who are all those nations? That's the ones who, after all the devastation that's gone on, survive the tribulation. Incredible. These are those who have uh, what you know that the Jewish people survived. When they came to Jerusalem and they saw the abomination of desolation, what were they supposed to do? They're supposed to get out, go hide. And God had a way to take care of them for the whole last half of the tribulation, that which is known as the Great Tribulation. God spared them for that last half. So we know that they're there. But we know that they were told to take absolutely nothing with them. When they saw the abomination of desolation, they were to leave quickly. Don't pack. Don't look for your friends. Don't look for any. Just get going and get out of there. It's a massive um, getaway, if I can say it that way. They had nothing to live with. They had no supplies. They're just getting out. Once they got outside of Jerusalem, they would encounter some other people. And that would be people who didn't worship the beast, who weren't looking to worship or in any way honor the image or listen to the message. And what they did, all those refugees that were going, they took care of them. They fed them. They gave them water to drink. They, they took care of them when they were arrested. They took care of them. Everybody follow where I'm at? That's who's being judged in Matthew 25, 31 and following. That's who the judgment is, and that's what this particular context of this judgment is. I'm not saying that the principle is not true all throughout history, but the real context of this particular judgment the judgment of the nations, is that of the end of the tribulation when Jesus has returned for the people who survived the tribulation. Everybody with me on that? See where we're at? All right, here we go. He says in verse 30, or verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats, from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, he hasn't told us how he knows they're sheep or goats, but um, as we were talking about last week, the difference between a sheep and a goat, a sheep will follow, a goat leads. A goat likes to go his own way. Now, I say that, and even as I say it, uh, Shar and I raised goats in the Ozarks. And they were, um, we had a, a nice woods behind our house. Goats are foragers. So they like low-hanging branches. They like bushes and things like that. They're not much for eating grass. They're just not grass eaters. Uh, they're more related to like a deer than they would be uh, a sheep. Well, 
our goats were sheepish in their way of life. And what I mean is they didn't like the woods, but the pond to get drinks in was in the woods. And those sheepish goats would not go to the woods without us. So we had to walk two ducks, two geese, and the goats down to the pond where they imbibed in the ju- until when we try to sneak away from them, you know. You guys got plenty of forage down here, so we'd do our best to sneak away and see if we get back to the house. They would beat us back to the house. Now, I'm going to tell you, there was genetically something wrong with those goats, okay? Because goats don't follow, they lead. They go where they want to go. That's all I'm trying to get to. So the, the judgment that's going on here is those who have followed the Lord and those who've lived on their own. That's the difference between the sheep and the goats. Everybody follow that? All right, let's go on. Here's what he says. Then the king will say to those, verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When was the kingdom prepared? From the foundation of the world. Remember, what did he make during that time? He made the kingdom of heaven. He made the kingdom of earth, right? And the two of those together, Eden, was the kingdom of God. So they're about to enter into the kingdom of God. This is the millennium, all right? So let's go a little further. Uh, Inherit the kingdom prepared to you from before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or f- and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, <coughs> inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Who are his brethren? That's the Jewish people, Right? That is his brethren. So his brethren (coughs) had fled Jerusalem. They had fled all kinds of places to get away from the beast, the Antichrist, that's one to kill them all. And here were people who had not received the mark of the beast that were taking care of them. (coughs) Yeah, there it is. So they are now being rewarded for having taken care of all those fleeing refugees. That's what that's really about. Oh, yeah. Now we go on further. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, that's the goat boys, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Stop just for a moment. Consider, if you would, these are people who are living outside, away from the immediate clutches of the adversary, of the beast, if you were the Antichrist. They're living outside of that, and they know he's chasing the, the refugees. He's after them. And you can see them saying, oh, boy, here come some of those refugees. Close the door. Close the door. 
uh, it's, it's Halloween, turn off the light, whatever, whatever you, but they're not going to let them in. You follow what I'm saying? They didn't want to because they know if they take care of the refugees, what happens to them? They're dead. They're dead. So they let the refugees go on by. There'd be another, the other group then picked them up and took care of them. Now watch what they say. In verse 44, Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and then did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life or eternal life. All right. So there are punishment for those who cooperate or those who had no mercy for God's persecuted refugees. He, he's not going to show them any mercy. They did not show mercy. He's not going to show them mercy. Um, to show you that it's about refugees, would you write this scripture down? We don't have time to go to this morning. Write down Zechariah 14, 12 to 15. Zechariah 14, 12 to 15. That will talk to you about the, the remnants of that who, who are not destroyed. And then uh, Zechariah 14, 16 to 21, we'll talk about the great world that is to come. Let's go to the second point. Not only is there judgment of nations, but if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. <clears throat> Here's a passage of Scripture that we most often use when we're talking to people about why believers in Christ do not sue each other, why believers in Christ don't sue each other. Here, in chapter 6, verse 1, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous? There were civil courts, okay? So believers in the church were going to civil courts, and they're saying, I got a difference with this guy right here. Settle this for me. You say, why would you go to the unrighteous? Why wouldn't you bring that to the church and say, hey, church, you, you, you know what you're doing here. How would you settle this difference between us? Um, as, as elders, we've had a couple of opportunities to do that, where we've had um, situations that were brought up to, between two brothers, and we did wind up having some uh, judgment to make on that. And we were grateful that that's the way they, that people chose to go rather than go to law, all right? But now watch what he says is the reason that. He says, uh, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Why don't you have the church do that? Do you not know that the saints will, what's it say? Judge the world. Do you not know that? He goes on to say, and if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Why would you go to the unrighteous? We're supposed to be those that know what the Word of God says and know how to settle matters. Why? Because you're being prepped right now. You're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. So here, I want you to understand what that means. There are going to be people who live on the earth, survivors of and the children of the people who survived during that whole millennial period. 
you're going to have several groups of people. When we talk about the millennium, we'll get to it. There are several groups of people involved in all this. You are going to be ones who settle matters on the earth for the people who are having a complaint against each other. You're going to be judging the complaints that were as, the, as Jesus Christ returned. Everybody see where I'm at? You're going to be a part of that whole judgment cycle. But you're also going to judge angels. What angels would you be judging? You're going to be judging the angels who, in that divine council, determined to rebel against what God's plan had been. You know, the Tower of Babel, he separated all the nations out. He gave 70 different angelic beings, Elohim, B'nai Elohei, if you would, the sons of God. He gave 70 of those power over nations. They were to teach those nations that were being separated out of that plain of Shinar and being taken to China, being taken to Siberia, being taken to all these different locations. They're going to be in charge of them in that location. They're supposed to teach them how to come back to God. They're supposed to teach them what is righteousness. They're supposed to teach them what plants are good to eat and what plants aren't good to eat. They're supposed to teach them how to survive in that new region. Not everything is like the plain of Shinar. So there are going to be regions they're going to. The the region of Shinar is a whole lot different than North Canada. Can, Can we agree with that? And that's what they were supposed to do. But they rebelled against that and did not do that. Instead, listened to the wicked, took bribes, did all kinds of things, even let the people worship them as gods. Instead of telling the people how to get back to the one true God, they're now teaching them, you can worship us, and they're receiving the worship of that. Everybody see where we're at? That's the angels you're going to judge. Now, let's just go through the outline make sure we're getting this. This, this was promised in Psalm 82. That was the promise of Psalm 82, that there is going to be a judgment against the angels. So you know you're going to be judging two things, the world and angels. Letter B in your outline um, the, of Roman numeral 4, the church, the sons of God, are the new members of the reconstituted divine council. They are the image of Christ on this council. When, ju- when God judges his people and he says, you've been faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much, these are the kinds of positions he's giving them, governmental positions in the kingdom. And you can find the church as the sons of God in Romans 8, 19 to 23. That's why that's written there. You are right now a child of God. You're not a son of God yet, but you're, you're as good as a son of God because you're a child of God. There is an adoption coming in which you're going to be seen no longer as a child of God, but as a son of God, just like it would be if you were inheriting something. You're, you may be the heir of everything that the Father has, but you're not going to get it until the Father recognizes you as one to be given that. That's what the adoption is, the resurrection, you being resurrected and given that new body. That's your adoption. And it's at that point you are a son of God who'll be taking a position in the government of the living Jesus Christ. As the first council, the watchers, 
judged humans on earth, now these resurrected humans in the image of Christ will judge the angels who rebelled. Okay? And you want to find that about the watchers and their judging? That's Daniel 4, 13 through 17. Daniel 4, 13 through 17. And then you see it again in 23 and 24, where the judgment of the divine council or the watchers has now been adopted by God as the official policy, the official stance he took on Nebuchadnezzar. The lake of fire awaits the angels who rebelled, and it was prepared for them. Matthew 25, 41, that we had read just a few moments ago, had said that you will go into everlasting fire that was made for the devil and his angels. It doesn't say it was made for people, but if you're going to identify with the devil and his angels, you will get to inherit the same thing they get. Everybody follow where I'm at here? All right. Not only is there judgment of the rebellious angels, a new millennial temple is built and the promised land divided up. That's Ezekiel 40 through 48. That is an extensive passage that talks about what the whole outlay of the millennial temple is going to be like. It talks about the buildings that are going to be in that millennial temple. It talks about the storage chambers that are in that. that different. Then it starts talking about Jerusalem, how it's going to be built. It talks about what rituals you'll be doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rituals? Yes. Just, just uh, there, there are times when people will say, why do you talk so much about the Jewish rituals and stuff like that? It's not Jewish. It's God's calendar. It's God who set down the things to do there, kids. It's we who decided that's not what we're going to do. It's not because God said it's not to be done anymore. It said we're not going to do that. Now, you say, but the whole thing was fulfilled. Yes, in Christ it was fulfilled. But I, got, I want you to know and get this all the way down. You are going to be living in that same environment in the millennium. Read it. Ezekiel 40 to 48. That's telling you what's going to happen. Matter of fact, every year we got to show up at the Feast of Tabernacles. We've got to do just like he said to do. Every nation's got to show up at the Feast of Tabernacles. You don't show up for the Feast of Tabernacles, he shuts off the rain for the land. And you will, you will understand next year why you need to be there. If You follow where I'm at? Kids, that's, that's what God has in mind. And I'm not going to go a great deal into that anymore. I'm just simply going to say that millennial temple is for the whole worship and the whole thing that he set up in the beginning with Israel. All right. This is the temple on earth in the New Jerusalem. This is not the same as the New Jerusalem descending toward earth. That's the one found in Revelation 21. We'll talk about that one another time. This is not that, temp- that same New Jerusalem is descending. This is not the temple built and used during the tribulation. This is the temple used by the New long-living residents of earth enjoying the earth as it was intended in the beginning. All right? So let's, let's, get, let's get the picture again. During this period, this old tribulation period, I'm back here to, I've got, here's the beginning of tribulation, the middle of tribulation, the end of tribulation, all kinds of things been going on during this period of time. 
There's been all kinds of destruction, all kinds of people dying, all kinds of things dying, all kinds of trees burning up, grass burning up, all kinds of things have been going on. Yet there are people who have survived that period. The the adversary has been calling on everybody to receive the mark of the beast on hand or forehead and worship the image of the beast. These said they can't do it. So they have fled, they've hid, they've done everything they can to stay away from the adversary, the beast, the Antichrist. Now they have survived, and it's coming all the way down now to the the coming of Jesus Christ. It's happened, and judgment's taking place. So all of these people were gathered from all over the world. They were brought before the judgment seat of the nations, and they were spread out. Now all these people who were the sheep who were told to go into the kingdom are going to go into that kingdom. And while they're in that kingdom, they're going to be given authority to work in a new kind of way. The ground's going to produce for them like it's never produced before. It says that those who sow are catching up with the reapers. There's that kind of change in the seasons. People are sowing while the rest of them are finishing up, the, the gathering up the crop. And it's going to continue like that for a thousand years, kids. That's a different world. You'd admit that, right? That's a different world. That's the people who are going to be in that millennial period. And that's what this is speaking of when it talks about um, enjoying the earth as it was intended in the beginning. That's what's going to be taking place. Write these down. Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. The whole, the whole chapter there is worth reading because it talks about the Messiah and his kingdom. Amos 9, 11 through 15. Amos 9, 11 through 15. Joel 3, 18. Joel 3, 18. Now, the people who are living in this millennial time have their own temple. They have a temple that there's there is another temple. There's another new Jerusalem. And that's the one that descended from heaven. That new Jerusalem doesn't come to earth. It stays suspended above the earth. In the millennium, there's not sun and moon, but there are days and nights. How does that work? It's because this new Jerusalem is the light for this world, for that new millennial world. It's the light for it. You say, but who's in this one? That's where you're living. That's your home. But I thought we're ruling and reigning on earth. You are. Do you remember Jacob's ladder? What was it he saw in Jacob's ladder? People going up and down, up and down. Well, I shouldn't say people. Beings going up and down, up and down, up and down. So will you. Up and down, up and down, up and down. You'll live in that whole beautiful new Jerusalem, which we get a chance to talk about. There, everybody else is living here. And they're not resurrected like you are, but they are changed. They're living like Adam was. They're living like everybody before the flood was. They're having lots of children. Everybody with me? 
We'll read more about that when we come to the millennial time, just so you, you'll know uh, what's going on with that. Well, I know that I could go ahead and start with uh, Matthew 25, 14 to 30, but rather than do that and know that I'm not going to get anywhere close to done with it, I'm going to take for next week that the rewards for faithfulness and service, the many parables on accountability, will be what we look at next week. Uh, There's a lot to be done with that. I want you to see the standard that God judges by. It's important that as we're looking at this, we see what is it that God's expecting of us? What is our judgment going to be like? Uh, That's all extremely important material, guys, so I want us to have that, all right? Because that's going to determine at what kind of position you are in ruling and reigning with Christ. You were given stuff. You were given gifts. You were given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Every one of us were. We were all given the fruit of the Spirit. So we have a whole personality change that reflects what God is like. The, the fruit of the Spirit is the attributes of God, the, what we call the communicable attributes of God, the things that He can give to us. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. So you have a God-like character to you if you will use it. You have been given the gift of the Spirit. And you have various spiritual gifts that are supposed to be used all together in this body. That's what's supposed to make this body work. Is everybody recognizing that we each one have a responsibility, and as a team, we have to work that. Kids, that's what you're judged on. Your sin was judged at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where your sin was. So you are a justified person. But friend, as a justified person, as God's no longer looking at that side of your life, he has now empowered you with everything you need for life and godliness, with all his communicable attributes. He has given to you the, the gifts for you to work in the body of Christ. It's in the body of Christ. It's not just in your everyday life. You can, do, you can use it in your everyday life, but it's for the body of Christ. It's what makes us work. A refusal to use it leads to a judgment. Do you understand? It's a loss for you not to use your spiritual gift because you are going to be judged. You say, no, I I I thought judgment's over. Condemnation's over. It sure is. But you were given gifts to work with. And as you use those gifts, kids, that's what you're rewarded for. That's what you rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ about. That's how he determines what you're going to be doing. You follow that? It's critical. It's important. You have responsibilities within the body of Christ. You weren't saved just so you could go to heaven. You were saved because we're all going to go to heaven. And we're supposed to reflect the kingdom of God here for all the people around here. Everybody see it? All right. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the kindness you show to us every day. But we also recognize there is a day coming in which judgment is going to take place, that you are going to do the things you said you would do. And we rejoice in that. We're, we're glad to see that judgment is going to take place, for we know that there are different things that will happen. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, grant to us the earnestness 
the seriousness, the eyes to see how important our labors are here on this planet. Grant to us good stewardship in Christ's name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.